Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome, welcome to Exo Friends, the Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. Uh, I am one of your three great hosts, Dave Hoyt, joined by Kayvon Fashami and Lexi Decording. Yay! Uh, <laughs> we are <laughs> do do the Kermit arm wave. Yay! Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh we today we today we wanted to talk about uh, an idea given to us by oh, who gave it to us? I should have wrote it down. One of our one of our dear fans um, asked Fred? who our f- I think it was Fred. Fred, Fred sounds it, right. Yeah, I think it was a yeah. Fred. Yeah, a Fred on Twitter. Fred on Twitter. Um, and he he asked he asked who are your favorite characters uh kind of saying that he liked the um the live cast dream episode like if we had all the power and money who would we cast in a live action version of exo squad so in the vein of that episode uh today we wanted to talk about all three of us have brought our own have brought our own list and ideas of Art individual top five characters in the show. And, Were we doing uh, top five or top ten? My bad, I did ten. Oh, <laughs> did you do ten, Lexi? No, I thought it was five as well. <laughs> I thought it was five. Okay, no problem. No, that's probably just my fault. I was like, oh, I'll do ten. Uh. Well, so you can, you can 10. give us give us at least an honorable mention when we start for your for your top for your number six. How about that? Sounds good. All right, uh, and. Lexi, so you wanted to, you wanted to talk a little bit about like how how did you judge? Well, let's let's start with you. How did you judge a character to put them on your top five? <laughs> uh, so this was actually quite difficult for me, and I wanted to like bring it up because I feel like I don't have the nostalgia goggles that you guys have. Um, mm-hmm. And even though I've watched the entire series through at least once, and we're like rewatching it as we do, you know, record every episode, uh, there's just like stuff I don't remember. <laughs> Probably, yeah. cause, probably because I smoked too much weed. Uh, but you know, it was just it was really difficult for me because I was like, oh, I don't know, like, am I qualified to say that this is my favorite character or this is like a top five character? So do, do you? Uh, to that, I say you own a microphone and you are recording. Therefore, <laughs> you are qualified to say. <laughs> exactly. Thank, thank you. I needed to hear from that from a man uh, to be able to move forward. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. All right. Um. So what I did was I kind of came up with like there were some immediate like characters who came to mind because they are my favorite and I've really enjoyed watching their development throughout the show. So stuff like just the character themselves, their um, kind of strengths and flaws as a character or like what makes them interesting in relation to other characters. And then I had a couple who are just, I guess, would probably be better as honorable mentions, but I think they're kind of fun um, like secondary characters who don't get as much attention as the main cast so i've got like a mix of those in my my top five and that's kind of how i thought about it It was like just who's like who's also memorable or who's like interesting even though they might not be a main character who gets a lot of um showtime yeah yeah kayvon what what was what was your what was your criteria how does someone make it into your top five slash top ten well, so I think I, I definitely, like, overdid the assignment. Um, you know, I'm like one of those kids who's way too enthusiastic about homework, I guess. Um, so I had a, a – first off, I had a separate honorable mentions list for, like, kind of bit characters who are funny or stand out or, or otherwise, like, uh, uh, remarkable characters just in the kind of one-off, mostly, like, extras kind of frame. For the top ten list – sorry, there's a 
motorcycle going by. I'll start over. Uh, for the top 10 list, I, um, I it was more like, for me, kind of thinking about, okay, like, how well does this character fit the role that they're playing? Are they a really good villain? Uh, memorable lines? Kind of like, is there some, even, you know, like, even though it's not like, um, you know, live action, it's, it's animation, like, do they have a certain gravitas to them? Uh, and just like, you know, for various reasons, like, uh, to do that, how do they contribute to the story? That sort of thing. Although my number one has been my number one since I was a kid for a whole bunch of reasons that don't necessarily have to do with like, are they like an, a paragon or exemplar of the type of character they're playing? Although probably still is. Okay. Uh, the way, the, the way someone makes it onto my list was if I think about Exosquad, who are the who are the five immediate characters that come to mind when I remember this show, and why and why do I remember them like that? So that's how that's how I kind of made up made up my top five, and I'll agree with both of you in the ideas and statements that there are so many yeah. characters in this show. Like this is like a modern day like shonen anime. Like you can you can pick out background characters side characters and everything that are just wonderful and adds so much to the to the storytelling and the yeah. animation and like the scenery that like you could you could go hours and hours and hours for every character if you wanted to right yeah and absolutely. you know like i i i have i have a head cannon for um skull tattoo pirate man like <laughs> Yeah, Especially he's in, after doing this show. Yeah, he's in my honorable mentions list. <laughs> you got to get him in there. He just he stands in and he shows up in a bunch of weird places because he's in that um he's in that prison island um in the Caribbean or wherever with um Napier's wife, uh, you know when they have all like the famous human like uh, delegates and and uh, political figures all on the reeducation island like uh. I want to call her Amanda vacation. Palmer, but I feel like that's Neil Gaiman's wife. What's Amanda? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Amanda something. It's like it's almost like Amanda Palmer, but it's not Amanda Palmer. How funny would it be if it was Amanda, Amanda Palmer, Connors? Though? Amanda, Amanda Connors. Connors. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, just actually, yeah, that's she'll be one of my honorable mentions just for that bikini, but we can get there. <laughs> Heck yeah, the bikini <laughs> should be in the honorable mentions. It's a character of its own. <laughs> The bikini, the bikini is more likable than Amanda. I mean, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's a tactical bikini. What's not to like? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's 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 start out with some honorable mentions. Kevin uh, right. or Lexi, you want to go first? Um, Hun? the hipster at the bar where Napier throws the Doritos on the counter. Yes. Oh, the one, the she's, one that was gonna definitely play a ukulele show. Yeah, right? she's got like big box frame glasses and like a kind of undercut like side. It's like a big swoopy hairdo. I don't know why, but that character just always stands out to me as like someone who didn't have any lines who was literally just in the background. Um, yeah, ukulele bar hipster was <laughs> one of my honorable mentions, I guess. Classic. What, so. So so what what's what's your what's your headcanon for what happened to uh Bar Hipster when the war started? Uh oh my gosh, that's a good question. Uh I never even thought it that far. I was more like, okay, she had like a studio album, uh, and then she got to play like, you know, she got to open for like a big headliner in her city, but then the war started and I don't know, maybe she goes into like hiding somewhere. Plays her ukulele I, in the sewers. 
Now, I'm I'm saying that she starts an underground music movement outside of the resistance, but brings hope to all other all the people of Chicago through the distribution of her like physical media songs. Yes, yes, she's like the Woody Guthrie for like Earth during the Neo Sapien occupation. That's amazing. I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like her ukulele has like a this machine kills fascist sticker on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's I'm all but it also but it also like is a gun, so it literally does. Like it shoots fascists, yes. yeah. That'd be awesome. It's like a concealed blaster. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Uh K- Kayvon, give give us at least one of your honorable mentions. Okay, so Skull Mullet Guy is absolutely on that list, as we mentioned. Um, another one, I'm going to drop his picture in chat here uh, before I mention the name. Because uh, I think he's probably one of the great unsung heroes of the series. Uh, Jetpack <laughs> Pistol mine. Guy. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, like, I'm, I'm not surprised. He should be on everyone's list. Jetpack <laughs> Pistol Guy. Uh, what a hero. Um, just charges right into battle. Up in the air. Not a good place to be if you're unarmored. Um, but still doesn't care. He just, uh, you know, he is going to put it all in the line for human liberation. So, thumbs even, up. Even with, his villain, even with his villainous turn at the end? You know, nobody's perfect. Uh, you know, it's been really hard for the Venusian freedom fighters. He, you know, he's been through a lot. A lot of trauma. Um, doesn't always make the best decisions under, you know, really pressing circumstances that I honestly, I think any one of us, uh, would could potentially would likely fold under. So you know, I'm willing to forgive him. Uh, I'm I'm hoping he survived the battle at the cave and that he has you know kind of mended the errors of his ways and moved on. Uh, maybe gone back to farming, uh, or perhaps opened a uh, you know a school for jetpack combatants also um, to train the next generation of uh, fearless jetpack warriors. So here, so here here's here's what I hope happened for jetpack pistol man of the Venu- of the Venusian resistance. After the battle in the cave, he did he he spent some time in you know whatever equivalent of like jail they have on Venus right now, and like learned learned from a learned from a volunteer Neo Sapien teacher how to how to forgive and how to love again. And when he got out, he was a he was a driving force for Neo Sapien human peace. He's become a bigger, better man. I like it. Yeah, definitely like a kind of real crucial factor in making sure the post-war peace holds. Love it. Yeah. Bless his heart. All right. What about you, Dave? Who's your like honorable mention? Well, you, you came on stole mine. Uh, so, <laughs> so if I had if I had to pick, so like so far so far we've talked about uh, you know three great background characters, which absolutely make the show a ton of fun to talk about. Um, but if I had to pick, uh, uh, a real honorable mention, um, wow, why am I so terrible at remembering names? The, the lady, the lady who's like second in command of the earth resistance. Oh, Eve. 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 Yeah. 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 I really like Eve uh, as well. She, she hasn't, she hasn't, well, I mean, she has done a lot so far, but she really comes into her own later in the series. Uh, when they start to go back to Earth more, um, but like just being being such like an unflappable badass uh, throughout the throughout the first part of the war, uh, being you know part of the team that took like one of the first Neo Sapien E frames to uh, 
be able to fight and like really bringing up the resistance and everything like i i really think that eve is an awesome character who deserves probably more screen time than she gets yeah yeah i also dig her like cool haircut yes (laughs) yeah like that's one thing you could say about most of the women in the show right they have these badass haircuts absolutely right some fantastic stylists in exo fleet um yeah, she um she definitely is uh, like a, that character who could do well with like more storyline for sure. Um probably belongs on the top 10 list if we're being honest. Yeah. Yeah, if it was a top 10 list, she would certainly be in my top like 6 through 10 somewhere. Yeah. Probably yeah. number 6 at least. That's definitely fair. Yeah. Um I had also on my honorable mentions list cuz it's mostly just for me like standout extras cuz I did go to 10. Um, uh-huh. also the wrench throwing Neo mechanic from the end of the, yes. uh, first season, <laughs> just like what also total boss, like, Oh, it's an E-frame. Let me throw a wrench at it. I don't give a shit. My, um, so, so, so that, 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 uh, I will, I will put in another honorable mention on that line in vain of, you know, the inanimate carbon rod from the Simpsons, the wrench, <laughs> just the simple wrench. <laughs> it, is, it has brought us so much joy and so much danger in this show. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Here's to the wrenches of the Exo Squad universe. Here, here. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. And then the other one, um, just because it, uh, he's the focal point of my favorite episode, um, the goopy thing like Neo Sapien. Yeah. Um, also, just, man great plot device awesome Mm -hmm. wish him the best uh wherever he is floating around he he gets sucked out into space right yeah he does yeah yeah so i I, I like i like any character whose main sound effect is schlorp (laughs) (laughs) exactly right like you know you're in for a treat so yeah here's to the goopy neo also uh best of luck wherever you are floating through through space do you think do you think he's still alive it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, does Goop need to breathe? That's a. This is the key question here. It's possible. Because, like, I don't... I don't think it really has organs. Or maybe right? it does. I don't uh, know. I mean, could it, could it just, like, sort of, like, harden its exterior Goop and then just, like, float as a Goop ball through space? Uh, trillions please. of years from now, landing on some other planet and basically, you know, having the plot of the thing happen? I, I was gonna I was gonna say hundreds of years from now, just through pure happenstance and chance, some exofleet or you know earth earth based uh, space faring vessel just fly, is flying along and it splatters on their windshield and they bring it and it somehow like seeps in and that's yes. how it gets its gets back on Earth and tries to get its revenge on was it Maggie Alec and Hollis for yes. kicking it out into space. Hell yes, I'm here for it. How Goopy got his groove back. Um, <laughs> new Exo Squad Limited series. Here for this. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, any more honorable mentions from you, Lexi? Uh, not that I can think of right now. Okay. Let's see what else you have on your lists, and then we can come back. Well, I don't. I don't have. I don't have any more honorable mentions. I, I think I've. I've gotten out my. My. My best material for that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, same, same. So let's get to the numbered list. I'll save my, like, 6 through 10 for after. Let's just do our 5 through 10 first. Sounds good. 
That's um, good. Although I might mention, because my my five and six are kind of related. Well, actually, literally, technically related. So when we, I'll mention uh, them together, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start off. My, my number five, uh, JT Marsh. Um, he is, when I, like, he's obviously the main character of the show, right? Or at yeah. least what I think, the closest thing to a main character. Um, you know, he... The way he's written, he he's he's not the perfect good guy, although he's pretty close. Um, and he makes mistakes, and he owns up to them, and he he tries to fix them as best he can, and just do he he does, you know, it, it feels to me like he moves through life in a very similar philosophy that I have, which is do the least amount of harm and the most amount of good whenever possible right yeah making yeah. making like you know a real good what i consider to be like a real realistic hero kind of figure yeah, yeah. absolutely like jt's it, very relatable even though i've never yeah. flown an exo uh machine in space <laughs> but but it's very it's very easy to look at the situation he's in and imagine like you know if you were there having to make those decisions like you probably want to make the decisions that JT is making most of the time. Right. And you understand why he makes those decisions because like you said, it it makes sense what he does most yeah. of the time. Uh and also the voice actor just fucking kills it for JT. Mm. Like he's he's constantly delivering a, you know emotion through dialogue that uh really resonates. And um the only thing I wish about him is we got more backstory on him. Like, I'd love to hear some more about, like, his spiritual side, because uh-huh. I think he actually has one. Yeah. What's that dream catcher all about? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more than just a souvenir from a trip to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know, and actually, so, like, Lexi, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, because he's... um. You know, I think a really kind of, especially for early 90s, uh, but at any time, a really kind of interesting depiction of masculinity also. Yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think JT's like breaking the mold or anything, but he is, um, he kind of reminds me of one of my other favorite, like, masculine, not hyper-masculine characters, which is Agent Cooper from um, Twin Peaks. <laughs> Right, in the sense yeah. that again, like they're they are relatable, but they're also very honorable people, even if they don't always get it right. Um, they're kind of masculine without trying too hard. Like I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean. Like they're not performing their masculinity; they just are men who go about, you know, their lives doing the right thing as much as possible. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like I don't, I didn't really watch He Man or other kind of cartoons like that where you might see more of the like hard body aesthetic for boys but i don't know at least having watched this show like i really like jt as a kind of like masculine hero character yeah well now now i'm trying to remember do we ever see jt shirtless is he got is he got a ripped bod under there i mean he's got he's got the ab muscles on his armor but are they just like carved in there i don't know right I'm trying. I feel like there's a scene where he's like banded, similar to Bronski in the one scene where we see him, and Bronski's like shockingly super ripped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing I like about him is like he's got like a sort of tough masculinity without trying to have it. Like you said, like he doesn't try. It's it's not like he wanders around just like putting his chest in your face all the time, like oh, I'm a tough guy. Like he just is, yeah. and he's like I think a really kind of pass or 
like positive masculine role model in a lot of ways because he's also he's not afraid to be emotional he is um you know very supportive and like kind of fatherly but also like you know has his own i don't know internal emotional dynamics i think he's just he's a really rich and complex character not even just for like a kid's show but i just think in general period um and when you look at kind of like masculinity in late 80s early 90s kids cartoons he does kind of stand out i think in a lot of ways Well, uh, how about how about one of you two? Which one wants to go, wants to go first? Lexi, I go didn't. Ahead. I didn't rank them like one to five. I just picked five <laughs> for, okay. the, for the sake of the episode. Um, also, assuming that there would be some overlap. So I'll start with the one where I don't think there's going to be overlap. I guess this would be my number five if I had to rank them. Uh, but just a shout out to Vince Pellegrino. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> is our good Italian American friend who's the um, he's like a jump troop. I don't know. I'm looking at the uh, fandom wiki right now because I would not have remembered this, but he is a lead rifleman for the elite Charlie Five Squadron. Um, it's also really funny because they've got this little like quotation about him here, and I don't remember this being in the show, so I have no idea like where this came from. But it says Corporal Vince Pellegrino comes from a long line of soldiers. If they were still alive, he'd drive them all crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for for any listeners, like he was the guy who's wearing the Malocchio necklace, which Kayvon and yeah. I talked about in that episode. It's like the little kind of Italian um, symbol. And it's like a horn that you wear. I don't know. He was just like, he's a funny character to me because he stands out. Even though, you know, he's in like one episode. He's not that important to the story overall, but I don't know. I thought he was kind of like a fun addition. And I, I like the detail of um, him wearing that little Malocchio like symbol. Yeah, it was like nice little thorough bit of background that, you know, not, it's just kind of put in there. And I don't know, it's just like a nice little touch. Yeah. But it, it, especially especially in the age of you know Google, it's 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 cool to have a show from the '90s where you can see a detail like that and be like, yeah. "What is that?" and Google it and like right. just from the simple act of finding out what that symbol means, you can infer like some things about the character that you probably don't, you don't get for a lot of the other characters, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's like still, you know, however many centuries later, super into his like Italian heritage. I'm assuming he's Italian American. Maybe he actually is just straight up Italian. Well, uh, okay. it's yeah. hard to tell in this show because the only people with accents are the Australians. Um, right. So I guess actually, right. like Nick Nick Tyree would be one of my honorable shoutouts as well, just as like a hilarious standout character. Um, so yeah, I don't know if he's Italian or Italian American. I just made an assumption because he speaks with an American Could, accent. Yeah. Could could you imagine, like, if they tried to make, because they would have cast some, you know, probably American voice or Canadian, American or Canadian voice actor, and oh, no. tried to make them do an Italian accent, <laughs> like it would be nothing but bibbity bobbity boobities. <laughs> I was about to say it'd be that Family Guy's kid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, oh. unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it'd be yeah, it'd be pretty. Pretty big. like, hey, uh, what's the matter, you? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just give, just give him a slightly Brooklyn accent and call it a day, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never been to New Jersey. No shade on anyone who comes from New Jersey because I've met some people from there. But like, I imagine Vince Pellegrino is like a kind of Jersey, not a Jersey Shore guy, but yeah. like a Jersey guy. 
Like that's the vibe. Yeah, like oh, a, a Newark guy or something, right? Yeah, I. Pel- I can't speak to the specifics of New Jersey, unfortunately, but from what Pel- I know. Pellegrino's Pellegrino, voice actor is the situation. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd be here for it. All right, who's your number five, Kayvon? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, six and, six and five are a package deal. Uh, James and Nara Burns. Um, okay. Yeah. Nara and Nara comes in at number five. James is number six. Um, just because, you know, first off, uh, I think she's a fantastic character has one of the most compelling story arcs in the series around her brother, James, who also is a really compelling and I think really well-written uh, character with, yeah. you know, going back and rewatching it for this podcast, just really appreciating their storyline um and just how well written it is the drama of it just the kind of crushing sadness of her losing james um and i think like nara more than really any other character with the exception of maybe marsala in the entire squad gets like i think the most character development really shines for it you know um and i like that she's like she's tough um she's like kind of traditionally feminine but she's also really tough she's you know she's the second in command for the squad she's the other lieutenant um yeah i just i i she ever since i was a kid just always really thought she was a cool tough character and then re-watching it like i said just the god the storyline is so rich so well done mm-hmm. so compelling and that for me was like a lot of where i kind of built this list was like who was a, i thought a really engaging compelling cool character well written fits the role in the narrative that they're um that they take up and yeah so she's yeah my my very strong number five uh, so, uh, you remember you remember like one of the first episodes where Nara is dictating like an audio letter to her family, mm-hmm. and she's sitting there with a giant stuffed. I think it's like a, a bunny. Bunny. Yeah. 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 So that that bunny was probably lost with the with the destruction of the first resolute. I choose to believe that from this point going for like going forward, whenever she take whenever she shoots down a an enemy fighter or E frame, she's she's just like. For you, Mr. Fluffy Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, that's a good then, like, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and, and then also James and her family. You know, them too, but. In that order, Mr. though, Fluffy Mr. Bunny. Cottontail, James, parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Was she. But that's actually, you bring up a good point because, like, that's yet another piece of her past that's been destroyed by the war. And it's like, imagine if that's like. She's had that since he was a little kid. That's just like one more thing that's gone. Yeah. Shame. Poor Nara. Was she in your top five by any chance, Dave? She was not, but she's she's definitely in my top ten. Okay. Um, no, I am I, I am now realizing that my top five is all men. <laughs> you sexist <laughs> pig. How could you? I know. <laughs> oh, misogyny is well and is alive and well. <laughs> Oh, like, oh, like, cancel this, fems. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Exo Friends, a canceled <laughs> podcast on the Elder oh, Millennial God. Network. Oh, no. No, I, I mean, uh, that's funny. I just, I was going to say, she was actually my number four. So, yeah, gotcha, Kayvon, gotcha. I'll just, I'll kind of like jump on the bandwagon here and say, when we started watching this show, like, visually, she's definitely, you're like, oh, she's going to be like the cute one that gets rescued a lot. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so I was really, like, pleasantly surprised by how quickly, even though, like, that, that initial bunny rabbit scene, I was just like, oh, this is a little bit weird. Like, isn't this infantilizing to show, like, a grown woman in her, like, 
sexy pajamas like hugging a teddy bear was kind of my like gut reaction at first but I think having watched the show now and see the character development she goes through like all the stuff Kevin was talking about right like the relationship with her brother and her family the extreme loss that she goes through this kind of unfulfilled romance with Marsala as well um yeah and that she is actually a badass and she is actually a really great leader and that being cute or kind of feminine does not impact that in any way like for me that's awesome because i am also a feminine woman who wants to be badass so. and you're um, also very cute i you know i do my best <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she's husband points for Kayvon. And there you yeah. go uh yeah see Kayvon had women on his list dave uh <laughs> honestly she's the only one on my top five so i'm like uh... barely above like dave's crow magnet knuckle dragger levels here Oh, that's, no that's too funny but yeah okay so i'll i'll just jump in and say like naro would probably be my number four in this list okay oh yeah 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 and i think that's a that's a really good point you know the kind of you know you see her as like initially before you know how she's going to develop like oh this is the, the cutesy one that will probably get rescued a lot when in reality she's the one that like does the rescuing right she has that like great yeah. episode where she barges in and saves marsala yeah she's she's great and like 30 years way ahead of her time um and that's i think like this shows like and that that kind of gets at something with how the show handles gender also Mm. it's just like way ahead of its time for what it's doing yeah i mean you you got you've got five i would i would say like five really great uh women like women uh main characters kind of main characters or at least people that get enough screen time to like you get you do get enough time to know them even if i think some of them don't get enough you got eve you got colleen you got uh rita torres you got uh maggie and you got nara yeah those are five wonderful characters yeah each you kind of unique and like different and their own like very much their their own characters right yeah, oh. and and I do believe that each of them, even though this is the lowest bar possible, passes the Bechdel test at some point, right? I yeah. think so, well, yeah. I'm, yeah, there's definitely, because there's, like, episodes where they talk about, like, oh, we've got to repair the C-frame, and we've got to do this. There's tons of, and, like, if you think about um, uh, Eve and uh, Rita's episode where they're, like, kind of both just doing a toxic masculinity to each other, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> And it's like, yeah, it's a low bar, but like, how much stuff doesn't actually pass the back yeah, test, right? right? <laughs> yeah, like the re the we have to have such a low bar because so many pieces of media just suck at reaching that bar. Yeah. <laughs> should we explain? Actually, should we explain uh, yeah. what the Bechdel test is? I was gonna say because I think we brought this up in that episode with maybe Rita and Eve, but just for listeners, like the Bechdel test is a kind of colloquial name. Uh, based on it was a comic by, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the comic book artist. Allison, I think, is her name. Yeah, Allison but it was Bechdel. called it was called like Dykes to Look Out for. Um, and there's like one strip where two lesbian characters go to watch Alien or something, and they're talking about it, and they're like, oh yeah, like that's the first movie I've seen where women have a conversation that has nothing to do with men or boyfriends or love interests. Like I'm, it's Allison Bechdel. Yeah, duh. It's like named after mm-hmm. her. <laughs> Um, and so it's just kind of become known as like the Bechdel test is like, is this film or is this TV series or whatever, is this piece of media have women characters whose motivations and reasons for being in the story are more than just like, 
I don't know, basically to be props for men or to be there to like talk about yeah. men and boyfriends and what men are doing. So yeah, this show in that regard, like very ahead of its time, even though people were becoming more aware of, you know, kind of gender politics, obviously like for a very long time. And the nineties was like this third wave feminist ride girl moment um, for a kid's cartoon. Yeah. It's, it's doing a great job. Not, not, not to go too far off into this, but is there any woman in this show that gets fridged? Mm. I actually don't know if I know what is. I think, yeah, I don't know if I know. That I think term. I know what you're talking about, but like, yeah, like let's explain that. As oh, well. yeah. So, so another, another. It's it's another thing from comics. It, there's this there's this really like infamous Green Lantern story. I think where his girlfriend gets murdered and stuffed into a refrigerator and he finds her and it's like the motivation for him to become like better oh. and stronger i don't know so no you you could say maybe alice noretti kind of fulfills that function a little bit but uh, i don't know it feels different and maybe that's just because the story yeah. is less developed quote-unquote but like I don't well, think because they, she they also she comes back and then she has a moment where she it's because she kind of like she grapples with her own interior struggle of like being a neo sapien but also being you know having the memories of Alice Nereti and having loyalty mm. to the squad and she in her own act of agency basically kind of takes her own life at the end there of that episode yeah. if I remember correctly so she's not really like she's not just a plot device she is her own character with her own agency. Right. Yeah, and I, I think, I think if anyone actually like tried to tried to make an argument that Alice was fridged because like her death in the beginning of the series was mm -hmm. something that drove JT to be a better leader, pilot, etc. I would say that the context here is pretty important because like she was not immediately introduced as a love interest of JT, and I think that's part of being fridged. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe not, according to some people. But y y you get where I'm going? Like, yeah. the context of how she died and the effect on that on JT is not solely or really apparently just, like, the girl died, the guy got stronger because of it. Like, Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh. Well, so, so moving on from our divergence into... <laughs> into uh, gender gender politics is that what it's called I'm yeah not, uh, anyways sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but my my number four uh is thrax um yeah. yes he he is uh, for for years and years and years he's always been in my mind as uh, a really really good depiction of like the idea of a soldier who's in a war who he at once thought was just and right yeah. is starting to become disillusioned because it is becoming apparent that the leadership doesn't isn't in it for the reasons that the soldiers thought they were in the beginning. Yeah. It it is it is becoming something that will lead to the demise of everyone and he has had enough. So he starts to act out in, you know, both both minor and major ways to you know appease his own conscience but also to make things better yep 
Yeah. Uh, he he also has a badass red Y wing, and uh, I again I wish he had more story. And I love his interactions with Kaz as the series progresses. I think it brings a lot of growth to Kaz and teaches Kaz a lot. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Yeah. He's like he's and he's more than a plot device, right? Even though he's a he's a kind of you know background character, like secondary character. He really he stands out on his own. Uh, I actually, I have him as my number three. Um, nice. Love him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Since I was a kid, still remember and love him. He's just got this like warrior poet sort of quality to him. It's just like <laughs> the calm, quiet dignity. And yeah, the sort of grappling with the moral dimensions of this war that he no longer believes in. Um, yeah, just phenomenal. Fantastic character. Yeah. Well, so what's what's your number four, Kayvon? Phaeton. Um, Phaeton. Love him. Yeah, fantastic. Like I said, I um, uh, like tried to prioritize people who are standout uh, in it's not just like standout characters. They're well, very well written and they're exemplars of the kind of narrative role that they fulfill. Mm. And Phaeton is a classic, fantastic villain. And in a lot of ways, yeah, he's kind of like your, your sort of classic Hitler villain, which can be kind of boring and overwrought a lot of times. But I think he rises the, the way that he's written, the way that he's voiced again, if we talk about voice actors, my goodness. Um, that voice actor, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he kills it. Uh, and yeah, he just, he really is like, just, I think exemplary villain, but he also, those moments where we see kind of a little bit behind the, behind the veil of his like kind of persona as like Phaeton, the, the great leader of Neo Sapiens, um, I think kind of humanizes him in a lot of ways. Like we see him betray Marsala. And that puts a whole new psychological spin on why he's doing all of this. Like, you know, you kind of can't help but wonder, oh, am I, is he trying to, um, you know, kind of make up for that humiliation, that moment when he sold out his people to the human oppressor? Is this like partly just a way of overcompensating for that? Um, And there's another moment. It's a little later in the series. We haven't gotten to it yet, but where he's talking about going to this, like, it's like a, he's speaking at a university or something or a peace conference or something shortly after the Neo-Sapien rebellion. And he's like walking, he's like reminiscing about this. And he's talking about how he's like walking through this college campus. There's bells ringing. It's like a, a warm, sunny day on earth. And he just like talks about how this is like the last time I ever really felt at peace. Hmm. Um, oh, and it yeah. Just, yeah, do you remember, remember that, that scene? Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. That stuck uh, with when me you, since when you I was said, a kid. When you when you said when you said it at the end of the war, I was thinking at the end of this war, but you you're talking about at the end of the Neo Sapien uprising. Yeah, the last war. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he it seems like he kind of becomes like a major fa- the face of Neo Sapien, whatever, probably because of the, his role in helping to end the war by turning traitor. Um, yeah. but that, just that comment that like, this is the last time I ever felt at peace has stuck with me for 20 years. Right. Like, and it's this notion that it humanizes him in a way that I think is really also just unca- uncharacteristic, not even for kids cartoons, but for media in general, the way that you can humanize a villain like that. And, and without being like, Oh, but he's, he's secretly, he's a good guy or secretly he has a heart of gold. It's just like, no, this is a person who has an emotional interiority and who has been through a lot and is still a monster, but is a complex monster and has complex reasons for what they're doing. And that's where I think he's just just a standout, fantastic villain. Like he's yes, he's the Hitler kind of archetype, but he's also 
got a three dim three dimensions and a depth that you don't get out of just like people who are nothing but the Hitler archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, fantastic villain. He's fucking evil and he's menacing and he's just I think fantastically written. So yeah, cheers to here's cheers to Phaeton. The, uh, the 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 voice actor's name is Richard Newman, and that's right. Uh, I that's will right. always I will always remember Richard Newman because one of our patrons is a good friend of mine, Max, paid paid him on Cameo to give me a a birthday message. <laughs> that's right. That was so good. Oh my goodness. We should we should play the audio of that on the show at some point. It's so yeah good. yeah yeah. I've got, I've, I've, I kept it, fortunately, because I think those things disappear. So I, I, I'll do that. I'll put that in. Heck yeah. Yeah. Because, like, also, I mean, I think it's one of the best voice acting performances in the in a show of very strong voice acting performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so you, you said you said your number four was, was NAR, right? Yeah. Lexi? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, my and, number th- and my number three was Thrax. And your number three was Thrax. Okay, so uh, well, let's go, Lexi. What's what's your number three? Uh, okay, so this is a tough one, and I'm trying to remember now. Okay, <laughs> uh, Colleen O'Reilly, like yeah, I I, I yeah, this is where I was like, am I qualified to weigh in on this show? Because I can't really tell you exactly what I like about her. As opposed, because I was also like, oh, like should I pick Maggie or whatever? And I don't know why Colleen just like resonates with me in a way that I cannot explain. Maybe it's just because she's kind of Irish coded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I also like, I like her little, again, you know, it's very subtle and it's not like a central part of the story, but like, I like her little romance with JT. Um, I also kind of, I really like the jump troops as well. Um, And I just think she's a badass and she's a great character. So it's like, I can't pinpoint a specific moment or a specific episode or a specific line or anything, but just... Like just her vibe. Like I just I'm vibing with Colleen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good enough reason. Uh, yeah. Is she is she the second in command of the of what is it Charlie Baker Squad? Um, is that the Charlie Five Squadron? I'm again. Charlie Five. This is not from memory, but just from the uh, Exo Squad fandom wiki. Uh, she's the communications and Exo Tech Specialist. Gotcha. And apparently, okay, I'm reading this for the first time. She has a photographic memory and can hotwire just about any electronic device in the home world. I did not pick that up from the show, but that's good <laughs> to know. <laughs> so she has te- techno superpowers. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And I think I think you're perfectly well qualified. First off, like you you do a podcast on Exo Squad, but also like I mean, jump troops are super popular with Exo fans. Um, mm. I, I I loved them as a kid. Uh, had a couple of the jump troop tro- toys, um, and uh, I've seen people on Bring Back Exo Squad and a few other people kind of mention, you know, like the jump troops are super popular. There's something yeah. about them that's turbo cool, and she is like one of the coolest. Of, she probably is the coolest of a lot of them. I mean, they're all pretty cool. I just again, it's like something about Colleen. I'm like vibing. I feel like we could go out and have like a really drunk girls' night out. And it would be like a Tokyo Nairobi situation if you've ever watched um, Money Heist. <laughs> yeah. I have not, but now I want to because that sounds fun. Uh, yeah, Money Heist is actually it's a great show. It's worth watching. But it's fantastic. Yeah. I I think Colleen O'Reilly belongs on plenty of top five lists. She's fantastic. 
Um, gotcha. Yeah, just tough. She's, you know, she's got that kind of, again, like hard-nosed toughness that uh, you see, I think, in a lot of the women in the show, but she's also her own standout character. You know, especially for a secondary character you don't see much of. Uh, Her presentation, her attitude, again, great voice acting, like, she just stands out. Well, uh, my number three is Wolf Bronski. And does anyone have him <laughs> higher up on their list? I do, actually. Okay, so um, why, why don't we why don't we share uh, save talking about him until we get to wherever he is on your list? Okay, I, I thought we might have had him in the same place because uh, I do remember uh, that was one of the things we bonded over in Mr. Hersky's ninth grade geology class was how fucking rad Wolf Bronski is. But so yeah, we right. can, we can come back say, to him. I just assumed that he would be K one's number one. Maybe uh, that's my assumption maybe too. Maybe number two. But I, I, I don't want to ruin the surprise. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. But he's going to be one or two. So we'll we'll actually answer that question shortly when we get to my number two. Uh, well, uh, let's go. On, let's go on to num- number two. Um, Drum roll. I I have Phaeton, uh because. While he is he he is a very a very well written very well acted villain, I love it when villains are just evil. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't always need like a a super good justification for a villain. Like yeah. I don't always need to be able to be like, yeah, I can see their point. Like sometimes, <laughs> I just need. Someone who wants to watch the world burn, and yeah. uh, I love I love him for that. Uh, he I I think you know I wrote down in my notes that he's maniacal, crazy, but also relatable, um, char- charismatic. I think I said once before, if Phaeton told me to do something, I would do it. Yeah, uh, he dangerous like it not just because he's the leader of this massive force but like on a personal level he is a very dangerous individual um he has one of the coolest fights in the series with jt in mount olympus um and his e-frame is full of knives i love it yeah. <laughs> he, he does have one of the coolest e-frames i will say like yeah. that black white and purple combo very cool very yeah, good, when good. we get through everybody's list, I think we should kind of maybe talk a little bit about potential favorite E-frames. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, his is definitely, his is rad. Um, and, and, to, to, and to your point, Dave, I think that's what's great about him also is like the fact that he is, even even when you get him, um, you know, humanized in a few moments, even when you think about the kind of broader cause of Neo-Sapien liberation being a, a, you know, kind of, yeah, heck yeah, I'm on board too. Like, it's a morally just cause. He isn't unequivocally just a monster. He's pure evil. Yeah. And that's what's great about him. Like, he, he's, he's, you can, he's relatable, he's humanizable, but he's still just absolutely a monster. And he gets worse and worse because he's so megalomaniacal. He just gets worse and worse as things fall apart. Yeah, at first, at first, like maybe, like you know, like Thrax, you know, you'd be like, "This man has our has our interests as a people at heart," mm-hmm. but like very soon, very, very quickly afterwards, like two or three years into the war, I guess that's not very quickly. He, even even his soldiers are like, "Oh, he doesn't care about us at all." No, this is about him. This is not about us. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Uh fantastic 
So, uh, what's what's your number two, Lexi? Uh, Jonas Sambaka. And again, I could, yeah. you know, I could get into like a lot of story elements. Like, he's just always kind of been to me like a funny character. I don't know why. <laughs> like, he is funny. He's, he's funny. funny. Something yeah. about him is humorous. I, again, it's like I can't pinpoint anything specific, but it's like I just think he's he's kind of funny, but he's also kind of a badass. Um, I don't know. I guess. Uh, if I'm going to be really honest, he's kind of just my type. Like, if you know what gay fun <laughs> looks like. <laughs> Babe, you're going to look big, like big bearded in, guy. like, 20 years, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vaguely ethnic. Yeah, so I just, I just want to call Jonas Simbaka daddy and call it a day. And, and if... <laughs> anniversary of this year came on work i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hook you up with like a jonas simbaka cosplay for for lexi there we go <laughs> you've got two months three months um, amazing heck yeah that's hilarious and he is i mean he's funny he's a great character he's also and i definitely like, i mean oh, go sorry ahead. go ahead finish your thought no first. you go ahead i was gonna say he's I was just, just like say super we're, dramatic we're... yes yeah very dramatic. And if you're going to rank, like, you know, like, sex appeal, he's got to be toward the top of that list, I think, for ExoSquad characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in a, mm-hmm. uh, like, Dudes of ExoSquad uh, calendar. I would hope that <laughs> yeah. Sambaka would be August, you know? That's... <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm a little gay for Sambaka. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. Um yeah, as as another big burly bearded man uh, with vague ethnic uh, kind of background. Yeah, I'm back in relate. I'm here for it. Yeah, I don't know. I love him. All I right. think he's a great addition to the show. Yeah. Uh, so so reveal reveal to us now, Kayvon. Is it Wolf Bronte? Is it's Marsala? Marsala. Yeah, right. number two. For I mean, just ha- let me count the ways, right? Like what a just. Uh, first off, voice acting absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal mm-hmm. um blows my mind that the only other thing i can really think of seeing that voice actor in is the uh is freddy versus jason in which he plays the sheriff <laughs> um weird but um yeah just fantastic voice acting uh layer after layer after layer of emotional complexity um the fact that he is in a lot of ways also you know, has he's constantly battling stereotypes from not just like, you know, racists like the folks on Venus either, but from people in his own squad. Like people say the dumbest shit to him. Um yeah. <laughs> you know, just like really offensive stereotypes and the fact that he just like, you know, he bears it all with a quiet nobility, represents his people, does that emotional and the kind of cultural labor of representing Neo Sapiens and like kind of trying to show the three dimensionality of Neo Sapiens as people and Fuck, man. Like, what? Just, like, a character for the ages. Just absolutely classic. Probably should be my number one, but Bronski, we all know now, I guess, is my number one. I just have had an attachment to. I'll say more when we get there, but uh, I've had an attachment to since I was a kid for a million reasons. Uh, And I I grappled with this one, and then my childhood predilections won out. But, yeah, Marsala, what a fantastic character. I'm absolutely amazing. Yeah. He's actually my number one. Where is he on your list, Dave? But, I assume he's on there. Uh, well, but before before we before we move up, I, I look. I, I just had to quickly look at um, Gary Chalk, the 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 uh, voice actor. I just had to quickly look at his credits, and he's got a lot. Like he's been he's been working for forever. But one of the best ones from the most recent 
is uh, I think I think so people, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I actually really like My Little Pony. Friendship is magic, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And um, he plays Prince Rutherford, the Prince Yak of Yakiakistan. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. And, and that's just that's just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, bless his heart. Uh, what a boss. Him and, him and Richard Newman, treasures in my eyes. Um, but so, so as, as you may have guessed, uh, if along with Lexi, my number one is Marcella. Uh, for all the reasons Kayvon listed, uh, he is um, more, even more so than JT. Like, I know he's not like, really depicting human ma- or you know terran masculinity i guess you would call it in the show mm-hmm. but like he is he is that I- ideal to reach right yeah the a, char- a character that can inspire you to be smarter better faster stronger like yeah the, and he, more compassionate got, yeah and more compassionate like you know he's he only goes to violence as the absolute last resort. Yeah. And I think that he is just the number one standout character in the entire series. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. And uh you know, it's a it's the kind of thing where we don't really know exactly what happened after the end of the rebellion, but you kind of wonder if uh um, and I imagine Marcel was probably banned from a, any kind of leadership role in any kind of post-war mm-hmm. Neo-Sapien government for his role in leading the rebellion. But you kind of have to wonder what would have happened if he'd been put in charge instead of Phaethon. Yeah. Right. Like if he had been made the governor general of Mars. Yeah. Yeah. What would what would what would the whole situation look like? You know, would you have gotten the kind of like. Um, you know, very peaceful sort of Neo-Sapien, um, you know, like rights movement from him, you know, kind of having been, having had his experience in the war then and turning to like maybe nonviolent activism or whatever it is, you know, you just got to kind of wonder, yeah, it would be a very different world. Yeah. And so that, that, that leads to like two different questions for me. How long was like how long after Phaeton was made the leader of the Neo Sapiens and Mars did he start planning for this ambition? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, rearmament, if you gotta figure so Germany really kinda begins its meaningful rearmament for World War Two, I think in the early nineteen thirties. So it took them less than a decade to be ready to fight a world war. Uh and well, let's be honest, ready to lose a world war. Um, losers. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, so you got to figure with the kind of, you know, industrial capacities of the future, probably not that long. I mean, it seemed like a fairly recent thing that there were these major diversions and funds and things. So he may have been planning this for a long time. Um, but the actual like rearmament, I imagine probably was fairly recent within the, within a decade would be my guess. Yeah. And also, how great would it have been if there was like a story where Marcella actually did get made the leader, but he was met with such resistance from the Terran governments that uh, he was eventually voted out and Phaeton was voted in like as kind of like uh. a demagogue, uh, uh, not not necessarily demagogue because he wasn't 
depicted that way when the series first started but if he went like change it just a little he's voted in as like your kind of stereotypical demagogue populist yeah and yeah. that's what leads you down this line yeah or assuming even that the humans have like control over because phaeton comes across as a sycophant to mm-hmm. toward the terrans so you gotta wonder <clears throat> if he gets um you know, uh, like, so Marsala, they're like, we can't work with Marsala. We're going to replace him with this guy we can work with and thereby also seal oh, our fate. Wouldn't yeah, that have been better? Yeah. Ooh, wouldn't I that like have been that. dark? Like, oh, this guy, this guy, we can work with this guy. He's accommodating. Oops. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Ah, live like, live like, action like, remakes. <laughs> you you got you got any other reasons to to love Marsala? I mean, all the stuff you've mentioned, uh, big blue energy, <laughs> love it, <laughs> uh, and also just his sense of humor. Like, I think that's one of the things. Mm-hmm. Again, early on in the show, when they're like, oh, uh, you know, Neo Sapiens are not like humans; they don't have emotions and stuff. And then, like, you start to see through Marsala in particular, right? Like, oh, they do have emotion. They do have this incredible interior world. It's just like racist stereotypes, let's be honest, that make people think that they don't have emotional content. And so like whenever Marsala makes a joke or says something really dry or, you know, I think it was like a recent episode we were reviewing um, where he says something like, oh, so we don't all look alike. It's just like moments <laughs> like that made me love Marsala because it's like, you are so fucking on the ball, dude. And you could be such a dick to all of these dudes. <laughs> Terrence. <laughs> yeah. But you you choose to be nice and you choose to put up with these like microaggressions, which for the record, like minority people do not have to do. Like you do not have to put up with right. shit if you don't want to, right? But I think like just in the context of the show and Marsala as a character, like just like, man, you're so fucking cool. <laughs> like we don't deserve you. But, so like I I would I would almost think about it this way like if you're gonna make the decision to put up with them do it in the wonderful subversive way that Marsala does right absolutely yeah. Yeah. just like kind of really like softly calling people out by being dry and hilarious and I love that about him yeah yeah, yeah having the best sense of humor for for the character who's not supposed to have emotions having the best sense of humor of the entire squad right yeah bless him. Yeah, and you know we'll get to it at the at the end of the series, but his role in negotiating the peace settlement at the end of this war um, is also, I think, and the and the peace settlement that they land on. Uh, again, as a kid, I remember just thinking like how profound and just what a what a way to wrap up a genocidal war like this. Yeah. yeah, one of probably like one of the best characters in a in a top five of great characters of just popular culture in general. Honestly, like beyond just the show. Yeah. Well, so on that on that note, well, let's get to your number one, Kayvon, and my number three. Let's let's talk the, about him. The man, the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Wolf Bronski. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolves of Bronski. All right, all um, you all you wolf heads out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. there you go. yeah I'm, a, I'm a definitely confirmed wolfhead uh i've just i've loved him <laughs> since i was a kid uh i love fart humor fart humor is great um and bronski <laughs> is the living embodiment of just fart and toilet humor um he's that's just... actually the second thing that's the second thing in my notes <laughs> the fart. right yeah and he just, I don't know he just cracks me up he's just this like dumb bumbling awesome 
but like has like deep care and concern. We see those moments like there's a, I can't remember exactly the context for it, but like Kaz is in trouble at one point and Bronski's like super worried about him. Mm. Uh, and just so like, you know, layers of emotional depth, but also, you know, I think the, the, the track, so the video trading card we get up from her, for him, I think it sums it up perfectly where it's like, Oh, somebody uh, on a psych evaluation once someone wrote the, you know, inside Wolf Bronski, there's trapped a small child. And then someone else wrote in pencil next to it. Yeah. Because he ate him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that sums him up perfectly. Like he just never fails to like make me laugh. Um, He's, you know, yeah, he's like the kind of comedic relief. He's a, he's a bunch of different character stereotypes rolled into one. Uh, but with that kind of heart of gold humanity that makes him endearing, he's funny. Uh, I love the, I think I actually have the, we should post this at some point, but just him eating that white chicken leg, I think yes. sums up everything that it just is perfect about him and why I just deeply, truly have always loved him. You gotta eat that, <laughs> right? I know it's just like always hungry, always just yeah. And he's just never, like he he's got great big brother energy. Um, yeah. Never forget, never forget when he crash landed on Venus with Nara and pulled out his emergency hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> like any any person who has an emergency hoagie. On a combat mission is a hero to me, period. <laughs> and anybody who can eat that white drumstick-like substance and green goop on a tray, like, hero. Uh, you, you basically listed every everything I had. Uh, I, I, I said that he, his E-frame his e is my favorite toy of the series. Yeah. Because uh, it had a grappling hook and, like, a chain gun missile launcher. Yeah. Yeah. And he has like exploding like um like Altoids or what did you call him, hun? Breath mints. <laughs> exploding breath mints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Brodsky's great. He yeah, also has a cool duster. Like he didn't make it onto my list, but now that yeah. I'm thinking about him, he's like he's got a cool look. Like mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I like his design. He makes he makes he makes Husky look good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, again, when we're talking about masculinity and the way that the show presents masculinity, he is not, uh, he's not incapable of acknowledging when he's wrong and when he's gone too far, like that episode mm -hmm. where he keeps harassing the, uh, jump troops and then realizes like, Oh, actually this is, this is not okay. What I've done. And you know, it shows contrition backs down. It doesn't, isn't just some bullheaded pig headed asshole. Yeah. Bless his heart. I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil who it's with, but at some point in the series, we get to see Bronski develop a love interest, and uh, he's great in that. Uh, I think I think he it's a wonderful storyline with his character. Yes, I'm super pumped for that uh, coming up to talk about it. Yeah, all around, love him. He's great. He's just like this uh, dependable, lovable, big brother energy, Back great guy. Backflipping in his E-frame. <laughs> yeah. never fails to make you laugh bless his heart and it's just like how is he still alive he's such a shitty pilot and somehow he just, still, he just gets through everything without a scratch bless his heart i, I, I wouldn't say without a scratch that's true he, yeah break, he, did, he has broken his ribs on multiple occasions yeah i still remain unconvinced that wasn't just from eating too hard 
but um, <laughs> nevertheless, I love him. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's that's our that's our top fives. Um, yeah. Did we get did we get Lexi's number one? Uh, Marsala. It was Marsala, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and what was yours again, Dave? Remind me. Was it also Marsala? Mar- Marsala. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went back and forth on those, and I landed on Bronski just out of I think you know as Lexi said, nostalgia goggles. Um, you know, uh, but there, yeah, fantastic. Do we want to just quickly favorite E-frame? All right, favorite E-frame. Uh, why, why, don't, why don't you start, Kayvon? Uh, so I I gave this one actually a bit of thought because I was like, oh, like I thought like let's bring it up, maybe chat about it. I landed on Rita Torres's. I know it's probably okay. not a common choice, but first off, ever since I was a kid. I kind of thought like, well, she's got an actual hand on hers, which means she's the only person who can not only pick things up, but throttle people um, with yeah. her E-frame. That's, and then I also like the like the kind of energy sword that comes out of it is super cool. Um, and just the big machine gun for the other arm. Uh, just yep. all around boss. And I think having that hand, that's a game changer. And she gets the pneumatic punch from from <laughs> Algernon. Like, yeah. She doesn't use it very often, but it's super cool. Exactly. Uh, Lexi, you, you, uh, got a, you got a favorite E-frame? Yeah, and I actually, again, thank goodness that I had the wiki open in front of me, because now I can tell you the actual name of it is the RA-678, which is uh, Marsala Nara's E-frame. It's like that two-seater, mm, okay. you know, I don't know. I kind of like it. It's <laughs> it's just kind of clunky, and it's got these weird, like, bullet hole. I've been trying to figure out what the frick the pattern is on the side forever. Now it's like, is that just like fake bullet hole art? I don't know what's going on there, but I kind of like it. And also the upgrade that it got was the cloaking device. And I feel like that's my style of gameplay. <laughs> yeah. And probably one of the most useful ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my, my favorite is going to be Dra- Draconis's. Ooh. Mm. With, with the giant, like, spike ball bombs. Um... I think he has a hand too. Uh, he does. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if I remember correctly, I don't know if he could do it in the show, but the toy of that could shoot the hand off like a missile. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I'm always I'm always down for a good rocket punch. Um, and, and it just it looks it looks like amphibian and almost alien mm. in its design compared to everything else so mm. i really like that one i really like that one is it that, is a this cool one also one. looks it looks a bit like a dragon right especially when you're underneath it yeah yeah it kind of does that's cool yeah 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 it's a it's definitely a rad one like yeah i think the neo sapiens kind of do have the best designs overall because i was going to mention as an honorable mention for this just the classic purple neo sapien e-frame i don't know what the model number mm-hmm. is or anything but it's man it looks cool it w- looks way more intimidating than anything the exo squad has or the exo fleet has shout out on that point to the exo squad archive their latest uh release of pins and stickers the pin is that E-frame, which I believe a lot of people say is Typhonus's E-frame. Mm. Um, and it actually, like, the front of it opens up. And I th- I'm i not sure if it's Typhonus under there, but I think it might be. Nice. That's sick. Yeah. Real good job. Out. Real good job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just lastly, I just wanted to mention the I, 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 I had the list, so I just want to just mention the names really quickly uh of my top 10 um i had a 10 matthew marcus 
Um, just yeah. great villain, great lines. Like the his his final line in the series, like you tell him Matthew Marcus knows how to die. Like you know, he he would he would probably be a much bigger contender for for my top five, but um, I think I just kind of forgot about him because it's been so long since we've seen him. Yeah. yeah, and well, it's like I think he's a good top ten character. Like I think he fits yeah. in top ten for sure. Uh, I had Hollis in there. It's just a peppy, chipper guy, bright personality. Just can't help but like him. Nice guy, love him. Uh, I had Typhonus in there also because goodness like he's just so much fun he's just so devious <laughs> it's just like every time he turned around he's like betraying you in three very complex ways um yep and then i had yeah rita torres is my number seven um because she's a fucking boss she just looks super cool i love the nose ring um she looks like she break you in half by just looking at you fantastic and nope. then yeah james burns so- are you, are you telling me that no one has Barca in their list? No. <laughs> God, I mean, I he is a great him. character. Fan favorite Barca or or Jubail. Oh, man, I love those two. Yeah, if we were doing a top rest, 20. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Jubail. Uh, gone too soon, never forget. Top 50, all the characters in Exo Squad. Um, exactly. I was actually going to say, sorry, just while we're thinking about final, like, honorable mentions or whatever, Neo Nurse... Yeah. <laughs> like, how yeah. could I have forgotten about Neonos? My God. Right. It's time for your inspection, Admiral Winfield. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> they found the love they dared not touch. <laughs> God. If someone oh man, that would definitely. If someone hasn't written the fan fiction that we've been talking about by now, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> uh, <Right>. it... <laughs> I demand some Rule Thirty Four artwork. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Oh boy! What Pandora's box have we opened? <laughs> right. oh my God. I mean, there's well, a, there's another Exo Squad limited series. I would definitely be down to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's shut that Pandora's box for the day yeah. and uh, yeah. and and call call it there. Yeah, that, that that was that was super fun. Thank you, Fred, for giving us that idea. Um, yeah, and people, please feel free to write in with your top top five, top ten lists, honorable mentions, favorite E-frame. Like, let us know. We're definitely curious yeah. to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, anything you guys want to plug this week is super cool. Things that people should see. Money heist. <laughs> yeah. Money heist. All right. It's, it's, it's been it's... around for a while, but we go ahead. Yeah, I know. We just, we finally got around to watching it. Because the name Money Heist honestly put me off for a long time. And now that I've been learning Spanish, I'm like, ah, La Casa de Papel is like a much cooler name. Um, I will also just say, like, personally, the first season, I was like, wow, this show's really misogynistic. Uh, (laughs) But it kind of, I feel like they either got some criticism or some feedback or something. And it, it kind of builds on that and really... I don't know. It's fantastic over five seasons. It's a really fun show. Nice. It's Spanish, so if you're like me learning Spanish on Duolingo, it kind of helps just to hear the language, even though they are from Madrid, so they pronounce a lot of stuff like with the, the lisp or like the th sound. Like everything's like gracias. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a great show. It's really fun. And also like fantastic yeah, characters that you will love. I'll have to check that out. Um... I, I, we, Nancy and I recently finished a series called F is for Family on Netflix. 
if you if you're not a fan of Bill Burr, you probably won't. Oh like yeah. It. And I I understand that Bill Burr is uh, a little grating in some aspects, but it's a it's a show written and and he plays the main character. It's a cartoon about a family in the '60s or '70s, I think, and it is. Every episode has a just a freaking laugh out loud moment for me, and uh, they just finished the series after like four or five seasons, and it's yeah, I highly recommend, highly recommend. Awesome, awesome, yeah. I'm I'm Bill Burr agnostic. Like I I haven't really listened. I've listened. I've heard some of his stand up. I've seen some of his stuff. Um, not enough to really form a strong opinion on him. I, and I know he's like I know he's controversial with some people, but I'd be curious to see what that looks like. He he's he's definitely he definitely pushes pushes it a little too far in some cases, but uh, he does it in a way that is usually pretty fucking funny. Uh, Heck yeah! So <laughs> yeah, um, so we just started watching last night a show called Severance. Also, oh yeah, uh, that has been really. And we were two episodes into it, but really liking it. Like Ben Stiller, man, knocking it out of the park. That's a fucking mind trip, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird. Sh- it's just like, oh, everything that's horrific about capitalism distilled down into one uncomfortably awkward show. Mister Mister Mi- Milicic frightens me. Uh, which one's Mister Milicic? He's he's like the boss, uh... it, or not? Uh, the the like the guy who like gives them their meetings, brings in the melon bar. Their manager, yeah. Oh, yes. Their manager. Oh, he frightens me. Yeah, that guy. That that guy's not good. There's He's the no good coming from him. Archetype of everything that is awful about managers at work. Like I've had, you know, working in in the service industry as a teen and in my early twenties and stuff. It's just like every every awful trait you can have in a manager all kind of rolled into one person, and it. Ugh. Yeah, that actor yeah, we, nails it. We just we just got finished with episode two as well, and I, I'm I'm hooked. Yeah, I'm one hundred percent hooked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally great. We're also watching the uh, the Halo show, just kind of out of curiosity yeah. more than anything. It's been fun. So f- there's a few, like, it's not amazing, but they got the look right. And we'll see if Pablo Schreiber can, like, kick up his acting enough to, like, kind of help carry the show a bit better. But it's been all right. I don't know. What do you think it's, about it, Dave? It's fun, stupid sci-fi. Yeah. And, I, like, uh, I will... I. Halo will always hold a special place in my heart for uh, the the trip you and I took down to DC and and spent playing in my brother's basement until we beat it. Yeah, like that. That I I actually like the books. I like the Halo books. They're yeah. one of the few like novels I've ever actually read. And uh, yeah, I, I like the show. It's fun. It's yeah. stupid. Pew pew bang bang. Yeah, and you know, there's some like making the UNSC like unequivocally evil. Um, I really mm-hmm. liked. It was a nice touch because they kind of hint at it a little bit. Yeah, I've read the novels too. The Fall of Reach book is actually fantastic. Like it's a really yeah. good just short sci-fi read. So yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, the look of it, the that kind of opening scene with the plasma rifles and the children. Uh here for that that, that was, was that was that's pretty good i was like god damn they got this down perfectly this looks fantastic yeah. cool um so yeah we'll see uh i'm cautiously optimistic about how this goes yeah cool. all right yeah. well then on, on that note uh as always everyone stay happy healthy and safe and uh and we'll see you next time yeah yeah cheers thanks for listening bye bye, bye.
Exosquad. Exosquad.